this is the More Than Right Podcast, and I'm your host, Steve Lopez. The man in question had everything going for him, or so it seemed. He was a regular on a popular television series and had a promising R&B singing career. But his world changed on a bitterly cold, dark, and snowy Chicago morning. On January 29, 2019, at 2 a.m., with the thermometer down around zero degrees Fahrenheit, two men wearing red MAGA hats waited near the corners of New and Water Streets. When the victim, who is black, arrived, the two assailants beat him, placed a noose around his neck, doused him in bleach, and hurled racial and homophobic insults at him. The assailants capped off the attack by yelling, this is MAGA country, before fleeing into the freezing Chicago night. The so-called victim, as you've probably guessed by now, was C-list TV actor Jussie Smollett. This is what Robin Roberts of ABC News' Good Morning America had to say about Smollett's assault. He's given a detailed account, an account that Chicago police have said has been consistent. He hasn't changed his story. They also said it's credible. Police have said that, and also that he has been very cooperative. Well, the hoax is back in the news because an Illinois appellate court recently upheld Smollett's conviction for filing a false police report, which requires a 150-day guest stay in the Cook County Jail. Smollett's attorney says, they'll appeal the conviction to the Illinois Supreme Court. The Jussie Smollett saga not only highlights the links to which some will go to play the victim in the disgusting game known as identity politics, it also demonstrates the links to which the media will go in advancing hoaxes that promote certain narratives. The attack we now know was planned by Smollett and carried out by two large bodybuilding Nigerian brothers he hired. And like Smollett, the brothers were, well, racial brothers. While appearing on the Gutfeld show on Fox, comedian Joe DeVito said of Jussie Smollett, He's not a good actor, and we found out he's not a very good director. Either. <laughs> and he certainly, he's not a good casting agent, right. because for his white supremacists, could he have gotten two bigger, blacker guys to play the role? I mean... And, but, and, yes! Were, were Shaquille O'Neal and, and Karl Malone not available? <laughs> and his special effects, his noose looked like a piece of linguine around his neck. I know. Come on. And the best thing about the noose is that he had it under the collar. Yes. Who puts a, a noose under the collar? <laughs> like the guy, I'm going to put a noose. Oh, let's get it under the collar. <laughs> we're going to church I later. Nice. But yeah, it's funny. Yeah. The Nigerians could be accused of cultural appropriation. Those roles were yeah. meant for white racists. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Before the hoax was revealed, the media leaned into the Smollett attack because it nicely meshed with their ongoing narrative that President Donald Trump's racism was an inspiration to his violent and racist followers. That is, when he wasn't spying for Russia's Vladimir Putin. Even after Chicago Police Chief Eddie Johnson arrested Smollett for lying to authorities, the media found it hard to let go of what they saw as the MAGA hate crime of the century. CNN's Alison Camarota, for one, was beside herself, speaking out of both sides of her mouth on the MAGA hoax. Three weeks ago, I think people were wrong 
to believe Jussie Smollett in such a wholesale way, to dismiss any skepticism that they had about this story and jump on the bandwagon and believe him and so publicly be on his side. And now, are we making the same mistake of believing the police chief in such a wholesale way? Jussie Smollett hasn't been convicted yet. He hasn't gone to trial. And now to say that, yes, he's guilty of this, that, that way everybody say, I've never seen anything like it, this kind of rush to judgment on, uh, in such a short period of time. A rush to judgment? On the question of skepticism? Back in the good old days, skepticism was a journalist's constant companion. I recall how reporters front-loaded their segments with the words claims or alleges because real journalists assumed the person talking to them disguised a hidden agenda, especially if that person was in government. But Trump derangement syndrome changed all that. The news media suddenly found a friend in government agencies like the FBI, which ran a bogus counterintelligence investigation of Trump on the absurd claim he was a spy for Russia. And U.S. intelligence officials from the NSA and CIA appeared on CNN and MSNBC to substantiate the FBI's disinformation operation. The Russia collusion hoax, which the media clearly understood was designed to hobble the Trump presidency, predisposed them to manufacture disinformation narratives of their own against Trump and his followers. And so skepticism, not to mention truth, went out the window. Jesse Smollett clearly understood this and manufactured an anti-MAGA hoax to feed the media's Trump-MAGA hatred. But Smollett also believed his heightened victim status would lead to a boost in network pay, more screen time, and more ticket sales for his upcoming singing engagements. Self-described black queer millennial journalist Ernest Owens wrote in Rolling Stone that, quote, Jesse Smollett had set up the hoax to be the hero, not the victim. He didn't want pity, I realized. He wanted respect, unquote. That's nonsense, of course. Smollett clearly sought pity from America's miscreant opinion molders in the press and politics. He also knew the best way to gain that pity was to fan the flames of feverish Trump derangement by staging a hate crime that fit the media's pre-existing anti-Trump, anti-MAGA narratives. Appearing on CNN, Tiffany Cross, then managing editor of The Beast D.C., told CNN that Smollett's hoax shouldn't distract the media from pressing on with its false MAGA propaganda. I know that it's, you know, has all the elements of, of television and, and clickbait and, and things that we love. Here we are talking about Jesse Smollett. I know there were a lot of people who thought the story sounded strange when it first happened, despite all this, you know, public uh, declarations of support. Um, and, you know, people are asking politicians about it. And it, it just it feels a little bit um, misguided at this point that it has all of our attention. I think, you know, it, it almost feels like this uh, pendulum to swing like, oh, we're so sorry, MAGA supporters <laughs> that, you know, we falsely identify these people. And, you know, there are a lot of evidence uh, 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 of violent incidents that happen at these MAGA rallies, and I just don't want to get, you know, have Jesse Smollett distract from that. I don't know about you. I don't recall hearing of entire city blocks being violently burnt to the ground following MAGA rallies, though the same can't be said for Black Lives Matter demonstrations. What I do recall is then-vice presidential candidate Kamala Harris tweeting out, that Americans should donate to the Minnesota Freedom Fund to bail out BLM rioters. 
But the violent MAGA narrative took another hit when an Illinois appeals court upheld Smollett's conviction, as reported by CBS Chicago. A new twist in the Jussie Smollett saga. The actor could be headed back to jail after losing his appeal in court. The former Empire star has served only six days of his 150-day jail sentence. A state appeals court ruled the sentence is fair and upheld Smollett's disorderly conduct conviction. The actor was accused of staging a fake hate crime against himself in 2019 and lying about it to police. When Smollett was originally sentenced for his MAGA hoax, Judge James Lynn of the Cook County Court told the convict, You are now a permanently convicted felon. Your family who loves you and supports you, I only want to use the word forgive, because forgiveness isn't even necessary. They're with you so much. They're so tight-knit. But you have to live with the fact that you really put them through a ringer. You've embarrassed your valuable friends in high places, the elected public officials, people in the media. You've embarrassed them. You have to live with that. I don't know if those relationships, relationships can be repaired. You've become toxic in your own workplace. Your very name has become an adverb for lying. And I cannot imagine what could be worse than that. Judge Lynn mistakenly believes Smollett's initial supporters in entertainment, the media, and politics are embarrassed or ashamed for promoting the actor's anti-MAGA hoax. The judge must not follow the news. Hoaxes are the foundation of every narrative emanating from the entertainment media complex. Back in March of 2021, NBC's Lester Holt arrogantly fleshed out what has become the new journalism in response to Trump and MAGA populism. I think it's become clearer that fairness is overrated. The idea that we should always give two sides equal weight and merit does not reflect the world we find ourselves in. That the sun sets in the West is a fact, and a contrary view does not deserve our time or attention. Decisions to not give unsupported arguments equal time are not a dereliction of journalistic responsibility or some kind of agenda. In fact, it's just the opposite. Providing an open platform for misinformation, for anyone to come say whatever they want, especially when issues of public health and safety are at stake, can be quite dangerous. Our duty is to be fair to the truth. Holding those in power accountable is at the core of our function and responsibility. Notice Holt disingenuously compares media narratives to irrefutable objective fact, like the sun setting in the West. Notice also that he applies this reductio ad absurdum argument to the media's coverage of COVID-19, which was unquestioning in parroting supposed facts issued by U.S. government health bureaucrats regarding such things as the effectiveness of COVID vaccines to prevent contracting the virus, then that it stopped the spread of the virus, then, finally, that it prevented hospitalizations. The government media narrative also labeled as racist conspiracy theorists those who said COVID originated at China's Wuhan Institute of Virology. The media also leaned into Holt's strategy of labeling all contrary views to the media's so-called objective truth as misinformation, intentionally refusing to report all conflicting views, which later turned out to be objective truth. We now know the COVID vaccines failed to deliver as advertised. We now know the forced lockdowns and mask mandates had little or no effect in stopping COVID spread. 
We now know medical experts who said COVID could not have developed naturally but was bioengineered in a lab were correct. And we now know grants funding COVID research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology were provided to a joint team of American and Chinese scientists by the U.S. National Institutes of Health. An irrefutable fact, retired COVID czar Dr. Anthony Fauci continues to deny. More importantly, we now know the new journalism, as revealed by NBC's Lester Holt, is not interested in facts or the truth. Instead, the media manufactures narratives that paint a picture of our world that does not comport with reality. Rapper Curtis Jackson said it best, I hate a liar more than I hate a thief. A thief is only after my salary. A liar is after my reality. Little daylight separates Smollett from the mainstream media. Both peddle hoaxes, and both continue to deny that they do so. And, as Joe Biden drops in the polls, the realization has dawned on press hoaxers that a second presidential term for Donald Trump may be inevitable. And so, who knows what new hoaxes wait in store for Trump and MAGA in the last months before the 2024 presidential election. You've no doubt heard media talking heads compare Donald Trump to German dictator Adolf Hitler since he first ran for president back in 2016. But as polls show Trump rising over White House occupant Joe Biden, media shrieks comparing Trump to Hitler have doubled in number and in pitch. When Trump said his second presidential agenda would focus on rooting out, quote, the communists, Marxists, fascists, radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of the country, unquote, he added that external threats to America were, quote, far less sinister, dangerous, and grave than the threat from within, unquote. The media was quick to weigh in. CBS anchor Major Garrett reported, President Biden's re-election campaign appears to be taking a more aggressive approach when discussing former President Trump, whom it assumes... Well, there's no validation on this yet that he will be the Republican nominee. In a campaign release, it said, quote, Donald Trump isn't just echoing the words of Hitler and Mussolini by saying he will root out vermin from within. He's planning real action to follow in their footsteps, unquote. Kevin Munoz, a spokesman for the Biden campaign, joins us now. Kevin, it has been reported, as you well know, that if President Trump is reelected, he plans to round up millions that's their words, of undocumented Americans, detain them in sprawling camps, deport them, and reduce due process. Is this what you're talking about, and what do you think it portends? Well, thank you for having me, Major. And you're exactly right. This is what it portends. And this was CBS's excellent reporting about just how extreme, how anti-immigrant, and how anti-American, frankly, uh, Donald Trump's platform is. And if he was sent back to the White House, it's not just immigrants that he's going after. He's going after our rights. He's going after our democracy. And we think it's our job. It's our duty, actually, 
And we continue to echo this, talk very aggressively about the stakes of next year's election. Did you notice how Garrett nearly choked while reading his new script calling illegal aliens undocumented Americans? The report assumes there's something inherently Hitlerian in the rounding up and deporting of those who've entered the country illegally. Sorry, CBS, Major Garrett and Kevin Munoz, but that's actually U.S. law. Over at MSNBC, meanwhile, host Rachel Maddow raised her unibrow disapprovingly, saying, And this is not subtle, right? I mean, everybody knows what this means. If you know one thing about mass murdering dictators in history, it's that they refer to the people they want to mass murder as vermin, pests, rats, insects, termites, right? Anything to make their followers see those people as mm, something to be exterminated, not someone you might know. Trump's expanded lead in battleground states has taken the media's Trump derangement to unparalleled heights. Comparing Trump to Hitler, of course, is nothing new. It was done with reckless abandon in 2016, which means the ridiculous claim will get little to no traction ahead of the 2024 election. Last June, the New York Times ran a piece explaining what Trump campaign insiders say is the former president's plan to seriously curtail the power of unelected federal bureaucracies, also called the permanent administrative state, also called the deep state. With a look of horror on her face, MSNBC's Mika Brzezinski recounted the Times article and what for her is its terrible implications. According to the New York Times, Trump and his allies are planning a, quote, sweeping expansion of presidential power should the former president retake the White House. This would reportedly include giving Trump the power to withhold funds from any government program or agency that he doesn't like, including the Federal Trade and Federal Communications Commissions. Within those agencies, the Times reports, Trump intends to, quote, strip employment protections from tens of thousands of career civil servants, making it easier to replace them if they are deemed obstacles to his agenda. Among Trump's other top targets would be the State Department, Defense Department, and intelligence agencies to replace people who he has deemed part of the, quote, sick political class that hates our country. All of this would be done under the framework of a decades-old conservative legal theory which rejects the idea of a three-branch system of government and the fundamental concept of checks and balances. Instead, according to the Times, supporters of that theory argue that Article 2 of the Constitution gives the president complete control of the executive branch so Congress cannot empower agency heads to make decisions or restrict the president's ability to fire them. Well, let's unpack that a little. Notice the New York Times and Brzezinski wrongly conflate the three branches of constitutional government with the unelected and permanent bureaucracy. They seem to suggest federal agencies are a separate and independent branch of government protected by the constitutional doctrine of separation of powers. However, the federal bureaucracy is a creature in service to the executive branch, that is to say, the President of the United States. You may recall that during Trump's first term as President, the FBI opened a counterintelligence investigation of him based solely on a flimsy, unverified dossier manufactured by surrogates of Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign. 
flimsy accusations considered probable cause for the secret Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court to issue warrants to spy on members of the Trump campaign. As the report by Special Counsel John Durham said of the DOJ and FBI's Russiagate conspiracy, quote, the Justice Department and the FBI failed to uphold their important mission of strict fidelity to law. Senior FBI personnel displayed a serious lack of analytical rigor toward the information they received, especially information received from politically affiliated persons or entities, unquote. FBI whistleblowers have since expounded on the Bureau's political fidelity to Democrats regarding its investigations, or lack thereof, into Joe Biden's profiting from Sun Hunter's years of influence peddling. The Trump-Russia collusion disinformation campaign was, as the disgraced former Deputy Assistant Director of the FBI's Counterintelligence Division, Peter Strzok, texted to his lover, an insurance policy in the event Trump won the 2016 election. What scares the Biden White House, the mainstream media, and the unelected minions of our bureaucratic deep state is that Trump will scrub Washington clean of their unconstitutional ability to sabotage elected government, thus subverting the will of the American people. The federal bureaucracy should never be independent of elected government to the point as we've seen with the Justice Department and FBI corruption, it becomes a threat to American civil liberties. Despite the U.S. Constitution's prohibition on government abridging freedom of speech, we know the FBI and DHS engaged with big-tech social media companies to censor voices with which these bureaucracies disagree. It should therefore come as a welcome relief to free Americans that Trump pledges to remove tens of thousands of conspiring and censoring government vultures from their comfortably safe perch in Washington, D.C. And so, the media's comparing Trump to Hitler is a clear example of the psychological defense mechanism called projection. That concludes this edition of the More Than Right podcast. If you feel so inclined, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Until next time, this is Steve Lopez. Thank you.